bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. This is the Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. Sponsored by Concordia University on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. Chris Singer say the last caller's right. I don't know which one you're talking about, but we'll see. My son and I build all over southeast Wisconsin and see it. We did a house in Pewaukee on the lake, and the lady wanted to know why she and her husband couldn't get food stamps. She made $175,000, and he was making around the same till he was laid off. Huh? $175,000, and you want food stamps? Well, they want stuff free like everybody else. I remember working with a guy, and he should remain nameless in how I know him, but he got upset because their daughter went to school, and when she went to school, they didn't get any, like, you know, discount. They didn't get a, they didn't get financial aid. They didn't get, I was going to say, like, loans, you know, discounted tuition, all that. They didn't get it. If I told you what he did for a living and where he worked, you would go, what? You, you, would, you would probably stop talking for at least a day, you know? Making around a half a million dollars a year. I'm, I'm just saying, like, what 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 we doing? What we doing? Yeah, yeah, you got it right. Yeah. Talking next time, Dr. Ken, Kathy is 100% correct. The practice is mired in racism. But what I need you to do is explain to me what kind of racism that is because it sounds more like selfism. It's about me. It's about, you know, implicit bias. But I, I get it what you're saying about racism. This person, uh, who was it? They went on to say, they sweep the details about whites under the rugs as long as they can. When it's black people, they're victimized as a result of violence. They write the entire history of the perpetrator, the victim, the siblings, the cousins, the grandparents, aunts, uncles, usually highlighting anything negative they can dig up. 
why you start, again, this is me, why you start talking about the victim's like life and had been arrested before, is that even relevant? Anyway, they hurried to interview the family, friends, strangers, whomever, to dig dirt up on all. When it's them, you don't get any details nor pictures, but only the absolute minimum information. Now, let me say, I was watching TMJ4 a few minutes ago, and they had the father of the two girls that were killed on. So that's, that's one. There is a shroud of protection and secrecy for whites by the police and the media. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would include the police in that, but okay. Cause I'm biased, right? Anyway, our people are vilified immediately based on all the false history they can dig up. A lot of it's not false. What it is, is how they use the history. That's the thing that disturbs me. Why it's germane that a person that was killed was a prostitute as if her life is lessened or has she not been a prostitute? She wouldn't be where she was. So she wouldn't have got killed is an assumption. They go on to say when the truth is finally told, it rarely resembles the putrid narrative given by the police and media. Uh, I don't understand what you mean by the police and media. The police just give out information. It's the media's job to decide what to put out and what not to. If they don't agree with it, they should not put it out. But that's just me. Everything these people do is purposeful and deliberate in the efforts to disparage our people. I'm torn about that. And here's why. Not that it doesn't disparage our people, but that it's done on purpose. There's an that that would take an extreme um, amount of time and effort to do things like that, to disparage black people and make them bad. There's an assumption that they're just right about everything. So they do it. I think we give them too much power or too much uh, brain matter, too much information for them to actually think that they're smart enough to do something like that. When you go in with what I like to call a chip on your shoulder where you think you're better anyway, you're going to say and do certain things and you're really not going to care about it. See, to be racist, they would have to think about it. They would have to work at it. That would have to be some concerted effort. And they have to, when you think you're right about it and everybody else is wrong because you're hiding behind the fourth estate, and hiding behind journalism. Well, that's what you get. People just make the assumption. Oh, well, of course I'm right. Like the fact that I said it, I'm right. You should just accept it. And that's unfortunate because that's what we do. And then when the person is the same color of the person that they want in the audience, which is all white suburban, Wild County, they just accept it. Oh, well, sure. That, that, that's got to be right. Like this, this thing with the media getting all the black anchors and all that, that's great. Can I see somebody of color actually making the decisions? How about a vice president? How about a president? Where's Byron Allen when you need him? Oops. <laughs> I mean, at some point, in a what? 
But he's chilling in his new home. He ain't worried about us. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he is. He is. And I think what happens is that we don't acknowledge the power. We automatically hate people when they have money. We automatically dislike people when they have money. But we forget how they got it and where they came from. What do you mean is that why? So as you said that, Dr. Ken, well, I, I, every part of me in my heart was saying, oh, yeah. But out loud, I wanted to like disagree and say no, but I knew I'd be lying if I were to say no out loud. Why is that? No about what? That we dislike people when they rich. Because we're jealous. We get jealous of people that have something that we want. And instead of figuring out how they got it and then getting it, we get mad. The flip side to that is that you have it and you should be sharing with people how to get it because there is room for everybody. There are what comes after trillions, zillions of dollars in the world. Not everybody, like literally everybody could be rich. But we don't look at it like that. I'm in competition with this person. You're not in competition with this person because you can only do so many customers. I don't care how good you are. You can only do so many customers and then you're going to reach a level where you go max out. Recognize that about your life. Figure out where your niche is. Work it. Because you didn't get a job there, you can get jobs somewhere else. Because you didn't get paid there, get paid somewhere else. But what we have to stop doing is waiting for someone else to give us what we want. Waiting for someone else to, to, to give us what we need. At some point, you have to go and you have to do it yourself. Get together. Develop your network, multiple organizations, figure out who can help who, barter, work, and let's get it. AJ said, we need to start teaching at-home generational wealth as well as past growing up uh, makes it in with the way they are growing up so that they can be equipped with both. So basically what we have to do is show you how to make it, show you how we made it, and then tell you to replicate it and move it forward. But that's not what we tend to do. That's not what we have. And so what happens is we end up missing it because in the end, the only person that can teach people in our lives what to do with money is us. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
Entrepreneurship Tuesday on Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is powered by We Energies, energy you can depend on. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. We Energies, Entrepreneurship Tuesday. I have a guest that I've known for you. I think COVID, like, separated us because I used to see him all the time, different places. Didn't recognize him until I saw that he grew a beard. Because when I think I had one, he didn't. And when he had one, I didn't. And it just went back and forth. But I'm excited because every now and then you come across a person who starts a business that is going to actually uh, make a difference. We talk about making a difference in a community. We talk about how important being in the community is, but, but there's a difference when you say there's a problem, there's an issue. And instead of me finding somebody to work with, to do something, I'm going to do it. And that means that person has to have structure, discipline, but also, and, and watch this, not passion, but a love for what the end is going to be. Knowing that probably in this lifetime, he'll never see the end of the start, but to know that he's 50, 60% there, it means something. And so when we talk about mental health, when we talk about the issues that the black community has had to deal with for literally a thousand years, You have to wonder, well, what about us? And so some guy in Milwaukee decided to roll up and not be positive, but actually become positive. And that's something you can transfer to other people and do other things. So I want to introduce everyone to a person I consider my friend now, Montreal. How you doing, good brother? Good to good see to you. Good to see you, man. You looking good, man, even without yeah. the beard, man. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? That's all I... So why is it everybody tells me you got to grow your beard? Now I got to grow my beard back. Uh, I mean, you got to be versatile. Versatile. Yeah, but I see I got the gray, so that makes it distinguished. Yeah, you got me Silver fox, by. silver fox. <laughs> all right. So, so you were... You were... You were... I, I know you're a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Yo, to the noobs. And so... I, and I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. We have that thing in yeah. us that most people don't understand when they're not in a black Greek letter organization. Absolutely. That outside, oh, they're, they're arch enemies. They're arch where friends, uh, neighbors, family Absolutely. members are parts of other organizations. But together, you know, we made the civil rights movement. Absolutely. We made all these things come to fruition in America. And so now, under the guise of mental health, you've kind of taken this to a place where most people only dream of, and you started an organization and have grown this. So I want you to tell me, first of all, tell me about yourself in Milwaukee. How'd you start? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you pledge? And, and how did Mira come to be? Absolutely. So first of all, Cap Alphasize and I'm pledging the hazing organization. Uh, but during my membership and how long orientation, it's going a little over a while now. 2009, oh, yeah. fall 2009. So you probably played, but okay. 
Uh, no, I'm a solo. I'm a solo. I'm a solo. Oh, you a yeah, you man. A ace? Yes, That's sir. Shout out to the Ace Club, man. Yeah. Shout out to the Ace Club. Anchor baby. Went to Cardinal Street University. That's uh, what's graduated up. from Tech High School. Yeah. Uh, and in yeah. 2020, I went back and got a master's in counseling. Uh, 2019, my wife and I went and got mental health first aid certified. So about mm-hmm. five years ago, uh, there was a, a tragedy in my family where right. I had a loved right. one experiencing some challenges. Uh, I didn't know where they were. I couldn't find them. And I was taxed with uh, just getting them some help, getting them to the VA hospital. Right. You know, right. I went to go and get them the next day. They were nowhere to be found. I get to their house. The lights are on. The music are on. I'm like, oh, my God, um, they're probably they probably passed away. If no. I turn this corner, the keys are here, though. The wallet right. is here. Right. Where could they be? And so I started praying and I called uh, MRI Family Services. Um, I had just spoke to Dr. Lakia Jones again. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the to the Greek family. Yeah, yeah. Remember, AKA, yes. I just did their website for um, the debutantes. Okay. And I'm like, hey, Dr. Jones, do you have a nonprofit organization? She's like, yeah, we do. I said, do you have a, like a, a marketing chair? She was like, Montreal, we would love to have you, but what's going on? And like a lot of folks of color, uh, I got embarrassed. I didn't want to talk about it. Right. I didn't want to admit that it was someone in my family. And so really? I opened up to her and I was hmm. like, this is what's going on. You know, I want everybody in my business, Milwaukee small. Um, what can we do? We talked. And I, I tell you, right before I called her, I heard God say clear as day where my loved one was. Different city. Right. Your loved one is here. Right. Nine minutes later, I got a phone call from a crisis intervention train officer saying, hey, we found your loved one. They've been in an accident, but they're OK. Can you come right away? Right. And so this kind of started me on this journey to checking in every single week. Oh, yeah. Uh, making sure they were good. But one thing I noticed is when I got there and I had my hoodie on, I was treated differently. Right. And so I came back up there with my grandmother maybe the next day. Had a suit on and I was treated yeah. very differently. Yes. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You mean to tell me the level of care is determined based on my skin color and how I dress? That is correct. And so at that moment, I knew I had to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, I went back to school, I double majored, and I found myself uh, talking to my professors and saying, look, every assignment that I do, group work or not, I'm going to do at least 85% of the project, but it has to be about mental health. I understand there's certain classes that need to come before others. No, I need to take I need to take level two business law. I need to take this. Right. And I kept advocating for myself because right. I'm like, right. there has to be a more excellent way to serve our population. Right. What I began to notice was there, you know, success leaves clues. I worked for Apple Incorporated for five years. I worked in the accessibility department. Mm-hmm. I worked with the blind, deaf and autistic families. And what I noticed was when folks would come in, they would have these Medicaid checks. They would be able to purchase, I mean, $4,000 computers, $469 apps like Prolo to Go that deals with autism. Right. But they didn't look like us. So I'm like, what can I do to bridge the gap using technology to provide peace of mind uh, to, to all communities, but specifically my community, right? And how can I use this technology to make sure we don't have to pay for it? So I started looking into assistive technology, and I created the Mirror app. Wow. We can go home now. Hey man, it's that time. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. And so, and so, with that, you've done. You know, Mira has 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 since 2017 really done some things. You know, innovation pioneer, uh, uh, mental health first aid, uh, two minute drill finalist. You you were you know spotlight spotlit in the Milwaukee Journal. The, the business journal partnership with Running Rebels and, and Kubli Foundation, uh, DHHS with the Milwaukee County. But I think the most important part here is working with the mental health task force. Absolutely. Steering committee. 
And so many times we don't know how we can jump into a community, jump into a uh, area and control what happens versus just being told what happens. So when we come back, I want to hear more about what are you doing in the community regarding the steering committee, uh, what the future is of MIRA, and how 1017 The Truth can become involved. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. We Energy's Entrepreneurship Tuesday. Our guest is Montreal uh, founder extraordinaire of Mira. Traffic, sports, and weather in a bit. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Entrepreneurship Tuesday on Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is powered by We Energies, energy you can depend on. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon, We Energy's Entrepreneurship Tuesday. Our guest today is Montreal of Mira, Wisconsin. Their mission is to support 1.9 million families living with mental illness, leveraging assistive technology to send notifications to caregivers, uh, providers to prevent crisis by identifying stress indicators and implementing mindfulness as a de-escalation. How do I do that with myself? You, you were part of the Mental Health Task Force Steering Committee this year. And how do I, as a grown black man, right, where I say it and people get upset hmm. when I say everyone has a mental illness. What we've done is we've overridden it by figuring out ways and coping mechanisms, but eventually that's going to fail, right? That, that, you know, it's going to line up. You're going to run into that perfect storm and you're going to need some help. I always remind people that if you haven't gone to talk to a therapist, mm -hmm. there's something wrong. I think it starts with us understanding the difference between mental health and mental illness. Correct. So when you think about mental health, that's more so, you know, you being healthy, right? Right. But mental illness is anything that disrupts your thoughts, your feelings, your right. social skills, your emotions. Right. And statistically, the Behavior. numbers can only grow, right? Right, right. So one in four people, if it's, it's three people in the studio, if we count the engineer, one of us has had a rough day at some yes. point today, right? Today. And so when you, when you think of this, I woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning. Right. Or it's sunny outside, but I feel cloudy on the inside. Well, right. depression is considered a mental illness. Correct. One in four people have it. Right. When you think about more uh, severe mental illnesses like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, some of these, th these things don't even happen to you get to a certain age. Correct. And so as we continue to grow, it changes. It's the reason why someone can love strawberries and be allergic to it two years later. Right. Yeah, man. Well, wait a minute. You just made me feel bad because I'm allergic to tomatoes. It happens and, to the best of two us. years prior to that, mm -hmm. I was great. I was fine. And then poof. And so, and so mental health, how do we make people understand that there are certain things you can do, certain mechanisms, certain uh, actions you can take to stay mentally healthy? What I, does your organization do for that? 
one of the things is uh, MIRA stands for Monitor, Engage, Recommend, and Advocate. And so one of the first things that we do is we set up crisis management plans with your family. We say, hey, you've identified that you're a part of the mental health community. We want to provide an excellent way to prevent mm-hmm. certain manifestations. We're going to provide you with a wearable, whether that's an iPhone, Apple Watch, or if it's a Samsung Galaxy Watch. And we're constantly monitoring that heart rate to understand, hey, where's your heart rate when you're resting, walking, and working out? And if it's spiking in between there, right. what can we do to have that? The next thing we do is we engage with custom questionnaires. We have therapists and mental health professionals of all backgrounds, but many of them are from uh, communities of color, which means we culturally understand just because you say you're good don't mean you really are. Can, can, can y'all get some more? Because every time I call and see people, they're booked yep. to the hilt. Is that a byproduct of COVID or are we just really recognizing that we need help? The numbers of telehealth have increased drastically mm-hmm. where you're able to do FaceTime, you're able to do Zoom calls with therapists, which means therapists are booked beyond measure because COVID took a toll on us all. Right. So for us, we actually have access to 41 therapists. Uh, our goal is if you're part of the Mirror family, you can actually have 24-hour monitoring and support. And so we begin to make recommendations. If we notice that your heart rate is elevating, you're indicating stress, you've shown us in your intake form that there are certain annual triggers. Maybe you lost a loved one, and right. you know around that time of season it's rough for you. It's one of those things where for us, we've learned to use music as a form of mindfulness. So we've done evidence-based research backed by science that shows. Without a doubt. Certain songs you listen to can lower depression, anxiety, yep. and your heart rate. Yep. One of my favorite ones on our playlist is uh, September by Earth, Wind & Fire. <laughs> so as a musician myself, oh, uh, yeah. piano player, you know, pianist, I use music to code. We incorporate it into the app, and that's one of the things. Another one is like breathing. Uh, and also just prioritizing your prioritizing your me time. Wednesdays is a wellness day for me. I can't wait till tomorrow. If I'm going to the range, if I'm going swimming, if I'm going to play a little bit of music, I take that time to kind of re-regulate. And throughout our application, we're constantly just coming up with better ways to cope. As a matter of fact, we have a partnership right now with Milwaukee County uh, just getting ready to close. where We're partnering with local churches, four churches, uh, City of Light Church, World Outreach Ministry, um, El Bethel and Greater Little Hill to provide wellness training. We're going to talk about substance abuse and the misuse of it. We're going to do a music workshop with the community and say, hey, let's create some attitude adjustment playlist with you. My wife's in on it. We're wait, doing wait, paint wait, sessions. Say that again. An attitude adjustment, adjustment playlist. playlist. Absolutely. So brother. just like when I run and I need that push, that 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 beat that makes me run faster. Absolutely. Then I can use the same thing to calm down. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Wow. So, yeah, man, it's it's our job to really be that in this community. And when, one of the things I noticed about the steering committee is we needed diversity. We needed uh, different age groups, right? Shocking. And so when I decided to, you know, put my hat in a race and mm-hmm. was voted in, my goal is to go in there and bring uh, just millennial energy, you know, right. have conversations to say, how are we using social media to reach more people? Right. Can we do a survey monkey and find out what the folks need? Right. Now, for me, I already have Mira, Right. But on the serving, serving on the steering committee, I can influence so much more. I have access to certain conversations. Talk about the new youth detention facility or the new emergency center that we have over on 12th Street. So for for myself, my goal is to be a pillar in the community, to be an advocate and let the voice of the people. You're already a. Continue. And you're a millennial? Yes, sir. Oh, man, we got to end this. I'll say, 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 y'all hit me with. And so those are the types of things that 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 um, acknowledgement of the generational power that you have that you recognize this is something that i can use because i have the youth the energy the power to take and you can help every generation that's alive today 
That's the goal. And so how do we how do we transfer that when it comes to watch this mental illness? Mm. Like, how do we help people get out of that mindset that I don't want anybody to know? Um, you know, my grandmother had schizophrenia, right? I don't mm. want anybody to know because or I have schizophrenia. We can't let anybody know why there's medication for it. People mm. literally go through life and are fine because they get it treatment. How can we break that? That that schism that yeah. I'm gonna first start off by bragging on some of my friends. Uh oh. Shout out to Dr. Leah Knox uh, and Black Space MKE. They have an amazing oh, free gosh, yeah. program. Yeah. Uh, for women and men all mm-hmm. year round, where you can go to the art museum and actually sit in wellness circles with people that look just like you. Right. So we're creating these avenues where you can break the stigmas. You got uh, Dr. Jones is doing these wellness calls almost five days a week, where you can get on for free mm-hmm. via Zoom and talk to other people that look like you. You had Simone Biles say. I'm not going to play. I'm going to prioritize my mental health. So Correct. what's different now, let's just say in the last 18 months than before, is more people are being transparent about what they're dealing with. I was just doing a barbershop conversation with the youth of uh, Running Rebels partnering with Safe and Sound yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we talked about substance abuse. Right. We talked about uh, right. addiction. We talked about different things. I'm noticing that we're prioritizing um what word do I want to use here? Credible messengers, community mm-hmm. organizations and saying, you know what? The government may not be able to reach you. But these organizations can. And so we have to continue to prioritize funding. We have uh, two billion dollars that was awarded through the American Rescue Plan Act to Wisconsin, five hundred and four million dollars that was awarded to MPS, three hundred and ninety four million to the city, one hundred eighty three million. We need to say, hey, if it says we can allocate funds in the public behavioral health response, then we need to do that. So that's our goal, man. Leverage the technology. Wow. DC, no, you had something to I, add? Can I interrupt and interject if Come on, I man. may? Now, Mr. Montreal, listening to your guys' conversation has got me thinking. Um, I do agree with the fact that now, in today's day and age, so many more people are being transparent about their mental health. Me being one of them. Somebody has never talked about it ever has been more open to say, yeah, man, I ain't got it today. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We here. How do we capitalize off of the transparency that we're having in today versus what we didn't have before. How do you make sure that we don't lose the flow and keep that transparency alive? We just have to create our own resource hubs, man. So many different communities. Um, I went to Ashley Q's off of Ponderosa and I noticed that the revolutionaries, the, the Beckas and the Von Mazes, they had a resource table there for mental health, for gun locks, for wellness events and as we continue to see these events, we need to share them in our network. Back in right. the day, there right. was a drum circle, right? The drum circles of today need to continue to prioritize mental health. Let's have the conversation. Let's make it normal. And then let's get resources together. You know, through my nonprofit organization, we're getting ready to do a pilot with 12 families. Wow. We'll provide them with a watch, provide them with a phone, wow. pay for individual therapy, group therapy, music therapy, art therapy. And we're not saying, hey, Milwaukee County, city of Milwaukee, give us funding for this. Whether they do or not, the community is going to come together and we're going to make it happen. And so are you collecting data so that we can then Absolutely. use that to? Okay. Absolutely. Evidence-based okay. research is the best way to go. We want to make it easy okay. for them to say, you know what? You guys are credible and you are making an impact and you have the numbers and you right. did it without us. So let us be a part of it to continue it and grow it and scale it. When we come back, I want to look at the music piece and how that connects to mental health and Absolutely. mental illness. Montreal, founder and CEO of Mira. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. We Energy's Entrepreneurship Tuesday.
This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Entrepreneurship Tuesday on Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is powered by We Energies, energy you can depend on. You're listening to We Energies Entrepreneurship Tuesday on the new 1017 The Truth. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Truth of the afternoon. Montreal is here. CEO and founder of Mirror. You took this music thing like back in 2011 and just, you know, lost your mind and decided that I could do this, right? I can just roll in and do it. And people tend to only look at, oh, you're in first place and you won. That's, you know, you're, you're the best, right? But I recognize that not everybody that's in first place is in the best place. Most definitely. And out of 100, now I didn't do the math, but, you know, the math and the advanced quantitative analysis I've had shows me that 168 divided into 125,000 people is a significantly small number. Yes, sir. And that you made that percentage because you have a love for music. Tell me about that. I grew up around music my whole life. Uh, my father's a producer, guitarist, and that was our universal language. You know, we didn't have a lot of serious man conversations. We was listening to Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, oh, Earth, yeah. Wind & Fire, 777-9311. I'm on the drums. He's on the guitar. And so in high school, I ended up going to uh, Bradley Tech, and there was this moment in 2002 where they were getting ready to do more budget cuts like they've done now. We're going to talk about that. Uh, they were cutting our music programs. And I was told as a, a drumline coach, if you don't work with other instruments, we're cutting your funding. And so I snuck into the school basement. I got a Sharpie marker, some masking tape. I pulled it out, wrote on a piano, and I taught myself how to read the keys. Then I got on the chalkboard and I taught myself how to convert those notes over to work with brass and whirlwind instruments. I later uh, ended up getting a scholarship to Milwaukee Conservatory of Music. And it's just it's just been pumping in me ever since. Wow. That is yeah. phenomenal. And so how'd you end up on this 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 little show, this thing that, you know, they got this little ragtag show called American Idol? My sister. Um, American Idol came into town. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Danny Goki, man. She's like, you know, Monty, you're a triple threat. And you can sing, you can dance, you can, you know, you're charismatic. You need to go on the show. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to lose. Like, this was my mentality. Right. right. And so I, I went and to the first. Uh, I want to say about 22. Okay. Yeah, about 22. So I went to the first audition. The first one turned to the second, the second to the third, the third to the sixth. Next thing you know, I'm out in Hollywood, and I can't stop help looking at the cameras and the headphones and right. the different pieces of technology they use. And I realized, yeah, I like music, but I like music for me. But I'd rather find different ways to share those experiences with other people. Mm -hmm. So myself and uh, Christopher um, – Perceptions just put out our first NFT project. We're now have like seven piano nice. concertos that's out. Shout out to the soundmoneycrew.com nice. um, where you can actually purchase your own exclusive concert. We're getting ready to do a benefit concert where people can come out, listen to live piano concerto, listen to a little bit of strings and orchestra, relax their mind. So like in Juneteenth, we were asked to perform. I decided to take my 30 minutes to do a workshop. 
brought out a white baby grand piano, sat amongst the people, had them sing and talk to them about how they feel. Mm-hmm. Have them take those deep breaths. Have them listen to a keynote speech from uh, Sedan Smith. Shout out to Sedan Smith and, and, and the young people in the movement. Yeah, and actually yeah. score it. And now say, how do you feel now? You right. know, so our goal is to take every opportunity that we get to make sure we're leveraging our technology to get this message out and help people do what they're going to do already. Vibe yep. out. Wow. How do you follow that up? Because one of one of the things is. From me and my generation, that's what's expected. Mm. It's difficult if you tell somebody that because then they go, really, there's nothing special. No, it's something you know, I, I'm a firm believer in um, noblesse oblige, mm. where if you have it, it's your job to pass it on. Absolutely. If you have the talent, you find out what yours is and do yours. Don't follow me. Do you. And I think many times we forget that because we look through the black community and we go, well, you really can't. Well, you know, I don't know if I want to do that or stick to this. And if you just work hard, it'll work. And that's not necessarily true. You have to be, you know, you have to go to college and you have to graduate and you got to get a degree in counseling and you have to be in music and you have to learn how multiple things, but they all come together. Transferable skills, transferable skills. And so people always ask me, well, how'd you become a cop? Then you retired as a lieutenant and then you teach and then you do this and do that. I said, because the teaching is what I did in every single profession I have. Absolutely. And once I figured that out, there's nothing that I can't do. I just have to figure out how. And that's why mental health is so important. When I saw this, I thought to myself, so I could actually change the way I think by simply playing a song. Absolutely. But, but what's the, and we don't have a lot of time, but what's, what's the, the mathematical piece in that? We all know that music literally connects to our brain in ways that nothing else does. How'd you figure that out? It worked for me. Hmm. So before I had evidence-based research, before I could back it by science, I just noticed how much music influenced my life. What songs would I write? How did I feel when I would sing? What would happen when I would touch an instrument? I play the drums, the piano, the bass, the guitar, saxophone. I don't play them all well, but I do play them. And when I started noticing that I had this joy, my goal was to get my team to look into the research. You know, even in college, writing a 10-page paper saying, look, I need to understand the relationship and the science between music and mindfulness. I was teaching at Milwaukee Marshall teaching broadcast technology. I just happened to walk down the hallway one day and I see a piano and a USB port in the back. I hook up my laptop and I get I began playing. The next thing you know, I was asked, hey, can you substitute the music class? I'm like, absolutely. And then the next thing you know, I found out that the young people in the special needs education department, they weren't receiving mindfulness. And so I volunteered my time on my lunch breaks. I would go in for about 30 minutes. I would do music with them. Next thing you know, I'm teaching a class for 90 minutes. Next thing you know, I started a drum line. There was one young man who hadn't spoken eight years. Right. About eight weeks after coming into that classroom setting, one day he finally walked over. He gave me a pound. He, he never made contact. He never spoke for several weeks. He said, hey, y'all, it's Mr. Kane. Y'all ready to get down today? He was making fun of me. Right. But he started speaking. Right. And it was the music that got him excited. So personal experience plus evidence-based research. How do we get in touch with you? You need to sign up for our website, www.housecallwi.com. We have a newsletter as well as some call to action steps that you can take. If you're on Instagram, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook, it's just at Mira underscore cares. 
Outstanding. Well, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me, brother. And I, you know I'll be calling on you, right? Absolutely. I hope All you right. do. We Energy's Entrepreneurship Tuesday, our guest, Montreal, CEO and founder of Mira. God bless. Take care. We'll see you on maybe around 22 hours or so.